Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. want to go over a few things with you because the way that I am feeling is absolutely positively unacceptable and I want to shake it off. Taylor Swift style. I have noticed that, or at least what I can gather from my little bit of observation in the world, that there are two kinds of people when it comes to resolving an issue. Um, one, there's a person that just likes to talk to vent. And then two, there's a person that likes to talk with the end result being of finding a resolve. I am number two. There is also the people that like to think out the problem, muddle over in their mind, kind of, you know, probably bounce some ideas off a few other people and then kind of like, okay, this is, this is how I'm feeling. Then they can then be able to articulate and express why they feel a certain way. Then it's the people that want to talk it out and just feel like, no, the more I hear it, then I can connect to it, then I can get my emotions sorted out, and all of the things above. I am a combination of the two. I hear something, and then I'm able to, okay, connect the dots, and then voila, here we go, we have a resolve, and I have a plan of action. Which is why these telephone calls are so therapeutic for me, because nine times out of 10, I'm actually dealing with a real life situation. And I'm like, you know what, I could write down what I'm getting ready to say, I can go ahead and say, okay, so I'm going to go from point this to point this. And but really, when I pick up this phone and call you, all of that usually goes out the window. And I just speak from my heart and whatever the Holy Spirit wants to say or how he wants to lead me is how we wind up getting there. All of that to say, I have had an exhausting, emotionally draining week. OMGizzle. And I'm talking about the perfect storm. It's coming from personal life. It's coming from professional life. I um, and on my time of the month. Okay, great. And all of those things collectively would have been enough to turn me into the Tasmanian non-angel that anyone could be in this particular um, predicament. But I would like to believe that I arose like a phoenix out of the ashes. And here we are talking about it now. Let's talk about it. Offenses. Mm. <laughs> Offenses. I have been so offended this week that it has been yeah it, it, it should be illegal like if there was a charge button to press I want to press the charges like at this point I am a firm believer that you cannot allow things to clog up you know a toilet doesn't get clogged up by one session it is a repeated something happening something not being rectified something happening again and not being rectified that you now have a flooded situation and so I believe within your emotional and mental realm especially you need to make sure that at all times there is a sense of clarity and resolve it may not be what you want at the time and it may not be the perfect outcome but it needs to be some form of clarity so that there will not be a clog in your emotions or in your mental state that's when people have mental health breakdowns that's when people have an emotional you know oh she had an emotional breakdown rebuke in the name of Jesus but you have these clogs which we don't realize is a combination of symptoms that no one never paid attention to 
You know, in the professional realm, you'll give it the word burnout and, oh, you need a mental health day. And if it gets too much, then maybe you need to go ahead and take FMLA. And, you know, in your personal life, you know, oh, you know what? You may have been busy and been doing too much. Then maybe you need a vacation. And what it really is, is that we need to be better stewards over our emotional and mental states. And when things are happening, even if it's not ginormous, we need to say, let me take a moment to go ahead and clear this up because too many ants is an infestation. One ant is ah, you can kill that that's nothing but we need to treat one ant as an infestation do you see what I'm saying we don't need to wait until we need a term uh, um what's the person that comes in I was gonna say terminator exterminator thank you we don't need it we need to wait till we get to an exterminator to be like okay now we have a problem no you have a problem it's just not on a huge scale when you see the first symptom when you have that little bit of feeling in your stomach and you're like, mm, that didn't feel good. Almost when you can't shake something off as fast as you would have, you should pay attention to those things. We need to stop doing this thing where we sweep things under the rug and then everybody is flabbergasted when it looks like we have uh, a, a mountain in our home or in our emotional state or in our professional state or in our mental state and it's just because you need to clean up a different way sweeping something under the rug is not always the answer so boom you know I wrote a story about it because it is all things that is my life so let's talk about it at work I started a new job okay um, because I am at that point in my life that I want to go ahead and start a new career path, which is fine. I am that type of person that once I feel like I have hit the ceiling somewhere, I like to just kind of like re-renovate all things that is me, and I like to keep myself sharp. So why continue to do the same thing if you feel like you're not getting growth from it, satisfaction, um, what, just to say that you did it for however many years? I'm not that type of person. So, bink, I went ahead and started a new career path. Super excited about it. Um, however, there were a couple of things that happened prior to me getting on board for this job that I was like, hmm, probably going to have to deal with the people at this job a little bit differently because the way that they handle things doesn't work well with me. I am, from what I learned from before, possibly a type A. I like to say A+. I am also someone that likes smoothness, order, and all things competency. I know that people are faulty and we make mistakes, but I like to go ahead and just make sure that those mistakes are not repetitive because then I look at that person or that particular department as, okay, it's incompetent, okay? Um, so, started the job. Before I get to the job, we had a little splat in regards to a urine sample that I had to take for a drug test. Long story short, I had a very humiliating uh, situation happen where I've never had no one tell me for a drug screening to keep the door open while you use the bathroom. Hmm. I'm grown. Okay. And when I was officially given my last gold star for potty training, I've never had to leave the door open involuntarily ever um, until I had children and they didn't understand personal space. So to be grown and to be told, keep this door open um, for the first time in my life, because usually they tell you, you know, with drug screenings, don't flush the toilet, don't wash your hands. You know, they put some type of solution in the toilet to see, oh, okay, did you, you know, chemical, did you do anything that shouldn't have been done to try to go ahead and pass this? But to be told to keep it crack to the point that you can um, walk past, anybody can walk past and be like, oh, she's in the bathroom, um, was very degrading for me. So... It wasn't that it was just that practice. It was that I was at that office maybe about 10 minutes earlier. The rec and the 
nurse took me back there with the requisition and all of that. I closed the door. I said, do I flush? She said, yeah, no problem. I said, cool. Before I was about to go, now mind you, I had a bladder full. I probably had the Atlantic Ocean in my bladder. Okay, great. And she knocked on the door and she's like, wait, before you go to the restroom, you can't go yet because the requisition is wrong. The address is in the, your job's address is where our address should be. And, you know, I can't complete this until it's rectified. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I made the necessary phone calls. The job was thankfully 10 minutes away, if that, but with the Atlantic Ocean in my bladder, keep that in mind that the 10 minutes felt like 10 hours, okay? And so I called the job and I'm like, hey, the requisition is wrong. They're like, okay, come back up here and get it. So I run up back there and get it. Um, I take the record. Now I'm a little embarrassed because this was just supposed to be my job, you know, the drug screening pre-employment stuff. So I'm not dressed to impress. I got the scarf on, you know, she's making it happen. And so I was a little embarrassed that I had to walk up there looking like, oh, you're doing laundry today? So that's fine. So keep that in mind on the backboard. So went ahead, got the new requisition. I get a phone call from the job and she's like, hey, um, I, if, do you have an ink pen on you? I'm like, yeah, why? She's like, I forgot to fill out a certain box. If you get a chance, can you just fill out that box and this, that, and the third? So now I'm annoyed. So I'm like, okay, no problem. We'll do. Now I go to the same, same location to use the bathroom again. I'm like, ma'am, I'm back. They make me wait again, adding on to the few of the aggravation. Go to, to use the restroom and have a completely different person. This person tells me to leave the door open. Hence, press play why I was upset because I just was here 10 minutes ago and this was not the practice. So how did the practice change within five and a half minutes? I'm not clear. So fine. So I sit in the parking lot after asking that nurse, what is your policy on? She was like, uh, you know, on using a restroom. She was like, oh, we have to um, leave it cracked. And I was like, well, when did that policy take place? She said, I don't know, but we need to leave the door cracked. So I was furious. But I felt the Holy Spirit gently say, she's not the person you need to check. I said, cool. I go in the car. I'm like, I need um, for I need some clarity because that didn't sit well with me. Okay. So I call up the job, the person that I got the requisition from. And I'm like, hey, I am mortified right now. And I begin to tell her why. She is astonished. What? No one has ever told me that. I never heard this happen. This and the third. I said, so I'm sitting in the car and it's almost like I want to go back into the facility to ask for the higher up or the chain of command. And she was like, no, I'm going to handle it. This, that, and the third. But mind you, okay, sidebar, this person has already shown me a level of incompetence. You didn't do the right requisition, the requisition, then you didn't fill it out right. And so it's a lot of up and down. Prior to that, my schedule was wrong. <clears throat> Excuse me, the agreed upon schedule. It was like, these are not the days we agreed on. This is not the hours we agree on. It's like, oh, okay. So there is some backlog information that tells me this person is incompetent. So to make myself feel better in this very uncomfortable state um, and experience, I before I hung up the phone, I said, okay, so you're going to call the person, right? And she sternly said my name and said, I'm going to handle it. That didn't sit well with me. Wind up making a phone call to the other person that is a part of the onboarding process. And I'm like, what was that about? Because that didn't sit well with me. So the person then tells me, oh, yeah, she said that, that you, you came off kind of rude. Um, because it's almost like when you asked her again, you were demanding for her to do it. So no, I wasn't demanding for her to do anything. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't stepping on anyone's toes. So that was that. Fast forward. I then come on board. This is now day one. Day one, I'm like, hey, uh, 
because I have to wait for this person to open up the bigger office to get into my office. So I said, is it possible that I can get a key? Because I find found that I, I come there earlier than, than what they get there. They get there maybe about five to 10 minutes early. I like to do the 15, 20 because I like to set my mind and do all that, you know, preparing stuff. So the key thing. I was like, okay, can I get a key? She was like, uh, didn't give me a direct answer. Wound up just saying I got to put in a work order for it. Cool. Day two, I said, hey, my name is spelled wrong in the system. So she went back and forth on, huh, what? You know, trying to trying to get clarity in her mind. It should have just been a simplistic, oh, okay, I'll handle that. But she was like, you know what? Remind me about that tomorrow. I said, okay. So what my brain did was I remind you, I asked you for something the day beforehand. So maybe I also need to go ahead and remind you about that too. So I said, hey, do you also want me to remind you about the key? And she said, you know what? Walk away. I said, I'm sorry. She said, walk away. Walk away. I'm sorry? <laughs> because where I'm from, walk away sounds like what my mother used to say before I got slapped. That was my saving grace statement. So as a grown person, who are you talking to, bruh? So I turned around as fast as I could trying to take my professionalism with me and had to clear that up real quick. I said, what can we do so we can go ahead and make sure that that transaction never happens again? But I felt like it went over her head because she was doing something else. I was like, Nabi, mm -mm. went in her office like, hey, you got a minute? Closed the door, <laughs> pushed it up real quick. was like, hey, um, I want to I think we got off on the wrong foot. So I backtracked from the time with the drug screening, backtracked from day one. I said, this is day two. I just want to make sure that, you know, you're not my aunt, you know, not a family member. I don't have a long work history with you. This is the second day that I've been working with you. So you telling me to walk away cannot ever, ever, ever be something that you say to me again. And I said it as calmly as I'm talking to you now. It, it, um, it wasn't no extracurricular, no additional facial expressions. I was talking with my hands, but I kept them low. So, you know, it was below desk and it was just point blank, period. You can't talk to me like that. Her thing was, well, that wasn't disrespectful to me. It's not like I use profanity. And that what I said to her as clear as I could, you can't tell me how to take what you said to me. I'm letting you know that what you said to me was disrespectful. Nowhere on the planet of professionalism can you tell somebody to walk away and not be taken any other way but disrespectfully. So her thing was, well, I said walk away, um, meaning like I got you. Well, you should have just said, I would have much rather preferred you said exactly that. So we go back and forth. The resolve was, she says the first thing that comes from her mind. Heck, she may say something tomorrow. And it was just this very flimsy, you know, I apologize if, you know, if I offended you. I don't see it as offended. But, you know, um, you can't always be that sensitive. But the bottom line that I was getting out is that you can never, ever say, walk away to me again point blank the period and I went in there so free with the understanding that um I'm probably going to go ahead and have to leave early but that happened right then something else happened in my personal life where I had a verbal agreement with someone and then three months passed and this person never touched base, never said anything. So I was just like, you know what? So it was just a perfect storm of like, I am so over people just walking out life in any way, shape or form and not taking notice that maybe the footwear that you're wearing on certain paths don't work. 
cleats are made for things that have grass and this, that, and the third. Stilettos are not made for you to walk on that. And so I feel like if people are more aware of I am improperly dressed for this particular occasion, then maybe there wouldn't be as many offenses as there are now. So whenever I'm uncomfortable with something, I have to, again, talk it out. But I got to go back to really the elemental P, do, re, mi of what the world looks at it as and what the Bible looks at it as. And so I wanted to just go up in the dictionary and just look up offense. What does it mean? And so it looks like it has about three meanings. So the first one is the breach of a law or rule. It's an illegal act. The second one is an annoyance or resentment brought by a perceived insult to or discard from oneself or one's standards or principles. And then the third is the action of attacking someone or something. And this is from, you already know, the good bishop, the new Oxford American Dictionary. And so I'm like, okay, because what I am learning is your peace and your happiness in life is literally contingent upon how well you deal with offenses. We are offended more than we can actually probably go ahead and count. There are so many things we could be offended about. And it is the art and the act of how well you deal with the offense that will make you, make or break your day. You really cannot have it where offenses are Pokemons and you're collecting them all. You will not have a successful, happy, thriving, joyful life at all. So it really needs to look a lot like how do you deal with offense? If you find that your peace is low, if you find that your joy is really staticky and iffy, if you find that it's like, oh, I was having a good day until, if you feel like you're on the seesaw thing of life, I want you to go back to how well do I deal with offense? And more so, when's the last time that I can pinpoint that I was offended? You have to clarify and bring clarity upon the things that offend you or else you will continue to drag along this wagon along life and you will never understand why do I feel so heavy? How come I feel like I'm isolating myself from certain people or certain events? How come it feels like and some of that can just be happening naturally because you've just learned how to just shape yourself in life. You're like, no, I don't do well with that particular group of people. I'm not an extrovert. No, I'm, I'm more extroverted. What Whatever it is, you start to learn your shape and you'll learn how to go ahead and and present yourself accordingly in those environments. But if it comes with a chip on your shoulder, a form of anger, a form of resentment, you have to go back and say, you know what? I acknowledge that I'm offended. So I went back to the Bible because that brings me clarity. Because, again, the good Bishop um, Solomon said nothing is new under the sun. You see what I'm saying? So I like to go back to how how did Jesus handle this? Or how did the people in the good book go ahead and handle this? And I went back to Luke 17, where Jesus warns of offenses. And any of the time I read in the NLT version, the New Living Translation, but I'm going to go ahead and read in the New King King James Version. And I'm going to start from verse 1. It says, and it's in red, so you know if it's in red, it's what Jesus said. It's how the good saying goes. So verse 1. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. Two, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Three, take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Four, and if he sins against you seven times in a day 
and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So in this context, Jesus was particularly talking about, you know, the, the children and not being anyone that's, that makes a child stumble in any kind of way, tempts them in any kind of way. Um, basically, you need to go ahead and keep your hands off of God's children. Have a nice day. And so just the fact that Jesus was able to say it is impossible that no offenses should come means that we need to go ahead and make sure that we are fluid and have a clear understanding on how to handle it when it does come. So he's saying, you're going to go, trust me, bro, you're going to go ahead and experience offenses in this life. But he does say the next line, he's like, you know what? But yikes for the people that, that start the offense. You know, troublemakers never really look good in God's eyes. It never has and it never wills. Wills. <laughs> I'm reading Millstone and I said Wills at the same time. It never will. But the part that got to me that was more prominent for the offense that I'm referring to was verse 3 and 4. Take heed to yourself if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, which is what we have a hard time doing. We don't know how to check someone without putting no extra off into it. When the people came and was getting ready to get Jesus because, you know, Judas did what Judas did. And Peter was like, no, nobody's taking Jesus. And he gets the sword and he swipes his, you know, the soldier's ears or whatever. Jesus simply looked back at Peter and was like, Satan, get thee behind me. Real, real quick to the point, not, no emotion in it. No, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, you always doing stupid stuff. You got a temper. You, he didn't add any other tale to that dog except for Satan get thee behind me. And so we need to learn the art of rebuking with taste. Rebuking someone simply means I have to check the offense in a way that is not filled and saturated in emotions that is not filled and saturated with my opinion, but it's simply, you know what? You shouldn't have done A, B, and C because the end. Ooh, what a mighty, mighty, mighty strong person you would be if you really learned the art of rebuking. Then it goes on to say, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So when I'm reading from that, is however many times that a person comes back and asks for forgiveness is the time that you should be going ahead and forgiving. The thing is, is that we live in a time that people don't want to admit when they're wrong. We live in a time that, uh, that people want to go ahead and hold on to that grudge even when you have gone ahead and repented. We live in a time that rebuking looks a lot like I'm getting ready to give you a piece of my mind and I'm going to tell you off and I'm going to say A, B, and C. And it's just like, wow, that really gets washed away, whatever it is that you were, the point that you were trying to drive across. I cannot hear what I did wrong if, it's, if you are giving me two scoops of your offense. So now you're offending me because of something I offended you by. And so the only thing that comes from an action of that sort is a reaction. And I know that it's a terrible, terrible, it's almost impossible to think that everyone's going to have this kumbaya state of, hey, you know what? You hurt my feelings and this is why. Which is why you need to know yourself well enough to say, I can't talk when I'm hot. Because if I say something right now, it's going to hurt everybody's feelings that's attached to you, okay? You need to know yourself well enough to know, mm-mm, let me get a minute. 
Let me walk back to my desk. Let me hang up this phone. Let me walk away from this particular, you know, conversation with permission. Say, hey, I need a moment because I don't want this to get out of hand. You need to know yourself well enough to know what is going to breed offense and what's going to kill it. So if you reacting off of the first thing that comes out of your mind, if that's going to breed the offense, you need to walk away. I would much rather you have a history of pausing before you speak rather than damaging while you're speaking. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why it's important to know yourself. That's why it's important to know how to rebuke. That's why it's important to know when to rebuke because we probably got a strong rebuke in us. Oh, get, get anybody mad enough. <laughs> get anybody. I think the Pope will go ahead and flip you a bird. You understand? But it's important to know, mm, Nobody really goes from zero to 100. You you feel it revving up. And, and the goal is to catch it before it revs up. The goal is to, mm -mm, I'm not talking to vent. I can vent by myself. I can vent with somebody else personally. I can vent to, I can, venting, you can play a song and, and get it all out and that be a form of venting. But try not to get to a place that you are talking to vent. You are talking to resolve and understand that the bottom line of anything offense is I'm clarifying any millstones that can be around my neck because the Bible clearly says that yikes, <laughs> uh, you need to go ahead and just jump in the river with a millstone around your neck if you are the person that likes to go ahead and cause these types of arguments and offenses, anything else to that degree. But if a person has asked you for forgiveness, then they've done their part with a heart gesture that looks like I'm asking you really for forgiveness, not a drunk husband or a drunken wife or someone who's under the influence punching you in the eye for the 19th time. And then when they see you crying, they say, I'm sorry. But then we know that this is going to be the same tale of events in a couple of hours. That's not apologetic enough. That's not offense clarity enough. That's not anything that we're talking about. That just is someone who has learned the word sorry and learned that if I say that, that I get a different reaction temporarily. But in the healthy form where there is something that was said or an action that was done and there was an offense and the person goes ahead and recognizes, oh my gosh, I did something that went ahead and probably made you feel uncomfortable to a degree. And then that's followed by a um, act of asking for forgiveness. Then you are entitled or you are inspected, at least in the heavenly realm, to go ahead and forgive. But keep in mind, when Jesus sent out the two by two, the disciples, and he let them know, listen, there's going to be some towns that they're not going to rock with you. And if you are trying to go ahead and impress upon anything to someone and they go ahead and really have this strong stance of they're rejecting you, then you are to dust your feet off. Meaning you are not obligated to continue to try to resolve something when someone has already made up their mind to reject you. You are not. And I know that it probably hurts because, you know, that person is that particular title to you in the personal realm, in the professional realm, whatever it is. But I want to let you know that offenses are going to come. I, we just read it in the Bible. It's in the first couple of chapters in Luke 17. Offenses are going to come. But that particular passage starts with letting you know that, but ends in, letting, in informing you that if a person asks you for forgiveness, then you are to give it to them. 
And you know what? It's not always someone offending you. Sometimes you have offended someone. You have. And I like to believe that we're all wired to want peace. So I like to believe that sometimes we do get the G check of, oh, man, I may have hurt someone's feelings or that may have come off wrong. Or you know what? That particular action may not have. And there's something in you that wants to reconnect to peace and probably it has prompted you to go ahead and apologize. But sometimes ego blocks that. You're like, nope, I'm grown. <laughs> I'm not I'm not running behind nobody, am I? Yeah, but you know what? You're being recorded for quality assurance purposes in a heavenly realm. Let's just keep it a buck, right? You're being recorded. And I want to believe that even if you try to bury the offense, that it will never rest in peace because you didn't try to connect to the peace. Do you see what I'm saying? So if you feel like in any capacity that there is an offense and you didn't take the first part, which was the rebuke, which is letting someone know this is what you're doing, this is what you have done to cause this particular reaction from me, maybe you need to go back and, you know, do the steps. Inform, inform, a.k.a. rebuke. Or maybe you feel like, well, it's too late, so let me just go ahead and just... uh speak my mind or what have you. But then the second step is to ask for forgiveness. Now you may be on either side of the spectrum. You may be the person that needs to ask for forgiveness because you realize you've done something wrong. Or you may be the person that is like, no, I need to go ahead and lay this particular thing down. I'm going to tell this person what they've done. And then hopefully the conclusion will be that they see my point of view and they go ahead and ask me for forgiveness. And I give that. But the formula is right there in the Bible. The formula is right there. And my challenge to you is do not walk this thing called earth with your chin held so high that you can't see that your ego is the only thing that's keeping you afloat. That your ego is the only reason why certain relationships have shattered. That you've lost good people, not perfect people, good people because of your inability to resolve offenses. I would hate for you to look back on your golden years and see that a simple I'm sorry or a simple will you forgive me or a simple, you know what, I don't really have any idea on why we're not as close as we used to be. I don't really know what happened. I don't really, and just wanting that clarity, I would hate to see that the only reason why you didn't have good people around you is because you had a strong, strong ego. That will be disheartening. And maybe you've convinced yourself, nope, I'm good, you know, whatever, whoever was in my past, you know. Maybe you've convinced yourself of that, but I would like to believe that we are all wired again to connect back to peace. Either to offer the apology or to request it. And if not requesting it, then at least letting you know why things are the way that they are. My challenge to you is to look back on your life either in the past or presently and be able to see Where do I need to bridge the gap? Just where? Is it worth it to you? It should be. Because it's never about the other person. It's about the peace that you carry. And if you have pieces of offense out in the world, then you don't have your total peace within your soul. You're not peaceful. And so with that, try to go ahead and look for the resolve. Try to go ahead and say, you know what? 
I could have handled that differently and not just leave it in, in, in your head, but go ahead and let the words utter from your lips so that someone else can, can go ahead and probably just soothe whatever holes that with, within their soul, whether they want to admit it or not. People carry that hurt. And not everybody's an expert on how to handle hurts and offenses. But maybe you can be the stepping stone to, you know what, I needed that. Even though it was a year later, even though it was three, four years later, even though it was two weeks ago, you need to go ahead and be the bigger person. And don't have your ego be the millstone around your neck that will have you drown because you'd rather go down with your ego than cut your ego and say, no, but I want to float with peace. And maybe you're in a place that you're like, you know what, I don't really have anything right now that I can think of offhand. Cool. Then I want you to operate from this day going forward with the mindset of I'm going to keep my eye open to anything that looks like a fence. Either me putting it on someone else or someone else doing that to me. And I'm going to work on and hone in on how to successfully rebuke someone without causing an additional offense. And if you go through life with that particular eye, then we will be more comfortable with offenses and we won't shy away from it. And we won't, I don't talk to such and such no more after she said, or I don't go over there ever since such and such. We'll start to learn, no, I am clear on when something needs to be resolved. And I'm also clear when I need to go ahead and resolve it for myself. But you won't really know that handle until you've changed your view on how to handle offenses, how to rebuke, and ask the Holy Spirit, is this something that I need to go ahead and complete now? Or do I need to go ahead and wait for a latter time uh, because I want this to be successful? Timing is something that we need to just lean on the Holy Spirit for because I don't think we ever truly know the perfect timing for anything. But if you lean on your your life tutor, the Holy Spirit, he'll show you exactly what to do. So I hope you got what you needed with all things offense. (laughs) I hope you, I know you probably listening to my story earlier. Like she told you to walk away. Yes, she did. Mm. And to God be the glory, she got the better version of me. Because if she said that to me three years ago, we probably would have had a different situation with some authorities would have had to be in a mess. Okay, great. Um, but God is a saving God, ain't he? <laughs> Won't he do it? <laughs> Won't he will? You feel me? But I feel like you got what you needed. And that's my good, good nanny says, all right. I ain't gonna hold you. Later. <laughs>